0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of deconstructing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. With me here, as always, is Brett Dormammu. I've come to bargain. Ison.
1: I. What does Dormammu say in the moment? I can't even remember. I don't. That, that big booming words. That yeah, It is it, I. Yeah.
0: Devourer of worlds. Devourer of blood. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have you forever, and so you will endlessly die. Oh, yeah.
0: Ugh. I didn't think about it like that. I don't know, man. I have a feeling like that's what's happening, though. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah, eternal eternal death. Yeah. <laughs>
0: the, the, the many become the few. Dormamo the few is the, one. Uh,
1: <laughs> the negative one circle of hell. There you go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We have our beverage today, the, I think it's just called the Doctor
1: Strange. Oof. Do you like that noise? I, I like it. I hope our listeners enjoy that little ring ling a ling of the ice. I know, my Yeah, so while you're looking that up, um, we are, of course, talking about Doctor Strange today. We are. Um, Doctor Strange released November 4th, 2016, here in the U.S. A little earlier in the, in the EU, because, of course, the europe gets everything a little earlier than us for some reason really yeah i feel like it's been reversed like fun fact last couple years europe actually typically gets movies before us i don't understand why okay or how but yeah yeah. it is
0: in fact called the doctor strange elixir cocktail and it's a little more yellow than it's supposed to be but
1: well you know it's a homemade drink yeah and and i can get time stony vibes from this Oh yeah, I have Igaimoto. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. What do you think? Melon? Yeah, melon. I was honestly so this is not really applicable, but I totally <laughs> had thought it was going to be like a green apple because of oh, the yeah, apple yeah. in the movie. But it's a red apple in the movie. Oh, right. <laughs> but this is green, so yeah. I thought green apple. So the melon really threw me off. It's yeah, not bad. It's
0: it's Midori. So we in our on, like as always, I'll put the the recipe on Twitter if you if you checked it on our Monday. That's usually when that updates. We put in rum, Midori sour, triple sec, and pineapple juice. So I think it's a lot of. Pi- I'm, I'm getting more pineapple. Yeah, juice that's, than anything, that's what it is.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. the that's what but, I'm tasting is the pineapple.
0: Yeah, you could probably put a little sprite in it, and I bet that would maybe spruce it up a little bit. And yeah. Maybe make a little more, a little more, uh, get, get a little more zippy. <laughs> Zzz right yeah man well that's our drink we're talking about dr strange today if you couldn't tell from all the dr strange quotes and drink and the title of this podcast i have some production notes for you mr brett yes sir send them my way so i was thinking i was like surely there's not a lot of drama behind this movie (laughs) surely there wouldn't be right marvel's been at it for a while they know what they're doing leave them to it there's not drama but there's a lot of history with this movie. Yeah. So the original script was written in 1986, and I think that predates anything else we've done so far. With because I think it, I think Hulk was going to be like early 90s. Yeah, I think that sounds when, right. Yeah. So uh, a script was co-written by Stanley and Alex Cox in 1989, which featured the same antagonist Dormammu and was almost made by Regency and Warner Brothers but was stalled and canceled during due to merchandising disputes with Marvel, who at the time did not have a fully-fledged movie studio. Right, And right. was basically just making money from their toys and comics and mm-hmm. their film rights. By December 1992, Wes Craven, director of the Scream movies, yeah. had signed to write and direct Doctor Strange for release in either 94 or 95 with Savoy Pictures, in 1995, David S. Goyer had completed a script for the film. And by April 1997, Columbia Pictures had purchased the film rights and Jeff Welch was working on a new screenplay for the movie. Then in 2004, <laughs> a script still had yet to be written. Marvel Studios CEO, Avias Arad stated, We are nowhere with that. That's a tough one to write, but we are working on it. We are trying to find the real Jerry Garcia, who is a musician for The Grateful Dead, of the writing community. So... If you want to know Avi Arad's music preferences, Grateful Dead. <laughs> and then, in April 2005, Paramount Pictures acquired Doctor Strange from Miramax as part of Marvel Studios' attempt to independently produce their own films. At the time, the film was projected to have a budget of no more than 165 million. In 2007, Guillermo del Toro and Neil Gaiman pitched a version of the film to Marvel. With Gaiman writing and del Toro directing, their version would have seen the character be alcoholic and a disbarred physician in the late 1920s or early 1930s. He would have been living in Greenwich Village for 90 years without aging. It would have also been heavily inspired by the art of Steve Ditko, who was the co-creator for Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Yep. And then, in June 2014, (laughs) Derrickson was chosen to direct the film. He had written a 12 page scene. Can you guess what scene it is? It's in the movie. I know which scene
1: it is. You do? I do. Wait it on me. It's the hospital scene. Yeah, it's the astral the projection. Astral, astral fight. Mm hmm.
0: Where somebody is. So that is taken taken straight from a Doctor Strange run called The Oath mm-hmm. and is heavily influenced from
1: that. Do you have more information about that? Or The only thing I remember on that particular thing was that, like, he. He knew he was going up against a bunch of other directors, like pitching mm-hmm. for for the movie, and so he spent a lot of his own money to like, yes. pre visit. He made a he did a ninety minute like presentation, presentation. Mm-hmm. and uh, that's what convinced Marvel to go with them. So yeah. it was money well spent on his part for sure. And that's always nice to hear. I think when directors
0: are like, "I want to do this, <laughs> <laughs> let me do this," <laughs> yeah, exactly. I th- and I think it's nice when a director can get behind that and. Really get after a project I mean we've seen that with uh uh who who who's doing the Mandalorian
1: well John John favreau yeah with, we've
0: seen that with John favreau does the
1: Mandalorian with look, his properties at the same time, like you don't have to be a super fan of something to make a good film, yeah. but I do think that it shows in little ways right when a director is like all in on a on a thing like this was my favorite comic book growing mm-hmm. up you you feel that a, a little more. It might not make it a "quote unquote" better film, mm-hmm. technically, but I think it it does. You can you can feel the passion in it.
0: Yes, I'd agree with that. Characters are a little more taken care of, except for when it goes the other way when they do something the fans don't want them to do, and the fans are be, impossible to please. Are. Trevor. It's, well, and that's kind of like the <laughs> isn't the the joke is uh, the people who hate Star Wars the most are Star Wars fans. <laughs> yep, absolutely,
1: hundred <laughs> percent.
0: So speaking of people that fought tooth and nail to get onto this movie, the writer, one of the writers, John, I'm going to call it Spates. I think it's Spates. Yeah, S-P-A-I-H-T-S. Marvel, I don't know if Marvel invited him, but he also, I think he actually also pursued it too. Said that they had talked all afternoon and the fit was right. And he thought Marvel was going to go with him. And then he received a call from Marvel several days later stating that they were not completely sure they wanted to take the film in the same direction that Spates wanted to take it, and they were going to look at other writers. Spates told his agent to not take that answer, call them back, tell them there's a lot of right answers, and get me back in that room. And after talking with Marvel for another three or four hours, he was given the job. But here's the kicker. Marvel never seriously looked
1: at any other writers for the film. Dang. Yeah, so... Look, Spates is a great choice. Yeah, I think so, too. He's got... Maybe one miss that I can think of, and I'm not even sure it was a writing issue as much as a a, a performance and sure. directing issues. But like, he does, you know, he I think he makes compelling movies or writes compelling movies, and so I'm I'm thrilled that he got the opportunity to kind of lay out the bones with Derrickson yeah. on this. Um, Derrickson's collab, frequent collaborator, C. Robert Cargill also came on mm-hmm. kind of during the the middle of this mm. and put some pieces in there too. So I think I, I personally love the two of them, Scott Derrickson and Cargill. Yeah. So I can I can kind of feel that in there. Sure. But Spates also said that like they did great and he came back on at the end of the kind of near the end of production to help with some final tune up things, mm-hmm. kind of get get it across the finish line, so to say. And uh, it sounds like it was a really positive positive experience for all three of them as kind of collaborators, co-writers.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think I, I think it comes through in the writing in yeah. this. I, I we'll get into it. Just to, you, you know, you mentioned the Spates stuff. Some of his other work includes Dune, uh, the twenty twenty one remake, Dune Part Two to be coming out, Prometheus, Passengers, The Darkest Hour, uh, and then the Mummy remake. <laughs> and there's others in there, but so like there's some heavy hitters in there too. Yeah. So. Yeah, speaking with the writing, astrophysicist Adam Frank served as a scientific consultant for the film. Having already known Scott Derrickson and been a Marvel fan since childhood, Frank advised on the, quote, human experience of space and time, helping Marvel conceive ideas for their cinematic universe and suggesting dialogue for characters based on their beliefs, whether they were materialistic, rationalistic, reductionist, or had this enlarged perspective. Yeah. So that's kind of cool to have somebody... To bounce ideas off of that has you know letters behind their name. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> PhD.
0: Right. Getting away from the writing. So other there's a, there was so I lied. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to lie to you. It it just it, how can I ever trust you again? I I know. I hope we can someday repair that bridge. But <laughs> there'll be another
1: drink and we'll be there. Great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Minute drama. Uh, so Benedict Cumberbatch. Originally declined mm-hmm. to do, and it wasn't because he didn't want to, he declined because he had other engagements. Yeah. I think this was at the height of Sherlock mm. when that was happening. Yeah, it he, been around this time, wouldn't it? Have, mm-hmm, yep. I think so 2014 to 2018, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, so Marvel looked at some other actors, uh, and by other actors, I mean an A list <laughs> of actors. Clearly they wanted a big name. Mm-hmm. They picked so other actors they looked at included Jared Leto, Ethan Hawke, Oscar Isaac, Elon McGregor, Matthew McConaughey, Jake Gyllenhaal, Colin Farrell, Keanu Reeves, Ryan Gosling, and Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> to all pitch to all play the part of Doctor Strange. An interesting choice Joaquin Phoenix would have been. Well, he was the closest. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I like that they have Ethan Hawke on this list because a lot of the people that were involved in making this are have horror background. Yeah, a lot more than I than I was aware of. You know, we we kind of knew going into the sequel years later uh, with Multiverse that Sam Raimi has a good horror background, but there's a good bit of horror background in this one as well.
1: Yeah, Ethan Hawke, a frequent collaborator uh, with Scott Derrickson, mm-hmm. from the Exorcism of Emily Rose to Sinister. Like mm-hmm. he, there's that a that horror, but b there's kind of that frequent. I think, man, I think he would have been great. I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of sad that he got what he got oh, he's in, in the in MCU. Yeah, yeah, where he eventually ended up in the MCU. Did he end up in it? He's in Moon Knight.
0: Oh, I haven't watched Moon Knight. That makes sense. But... Spoiler. He's in Moon Knight. Oh. <laughs> well, I guess I got. I I better get on to that. He actually then. has a pretty good performance.
1: But... Oh, good. Well, I mean, it's Ethan Hawke. I know, on. right?
0: Like, yeah. <laughs> but eventually, after all of that, Marvel eventually moved the scheduling around for filming Doctor Strange in order to accommodate having Benedict on. And he said yes once that uh, happened. Do you remember the Wi-Fi password from this movie?
1: I don't. With that
0: rockin' joke, which I think still holds up. It's a good joke. Shambhala is the Wi-Fi password. Ah. Sharp-eyed Dr. Strange comic book fans would recognize that as Into Shambhala, which is a comic book run for Dr. Strange, which was also the other, aside from the oath, Into Shambhala was the other big comic book reference for this movie. So then with sets, I just... (laughs) These last two notes I have, I just thought were kind of funny or cool. Mm -hmm. So they made like 21 indoor sets for this movie. One of them included the street in China, the street in Hong Kong, yeah. which included over 80 neon signs and a giant roof, and this is a quote, to keep the rain out, but I'm pretty sure, <laughs> is it raining for a little bit in that movie, in that scene? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. And then Stan Lee's cameo in this, actually, he's remarked as his favorite. He says that this is his favorite cameo. Originally was longer. Where he la- he's laughing hysterically at a Garfield book, and then he notates to a passenger saying, this cat hates Mondays, but he loves lasagna, and then keeps laughing. But it's- I, I hate it, but I kind of love it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But instead, he's actually reading a book called The Doors of Perception by Brave New World author Aldous Huxley. And the reason that is is because that's kind of a timey-wimey space stuff yeah. book. This is kind of a timey-wimey space stuff movie, so it's supposed to kind of you know tie in a little bit there. But man, yeah. So that sorry that was a longer list, but I thought that was cool that we've had so much. I don't think we've had a movie yet where, uh, actually, Ant Man was kind of like that, where where the script and the writing
1: kind of played the most. Uh, it's like the most interesting piece of like the yeah, pre-production, right? Right. Whereas because like, then like so just often the movie it was is, made. <laughs> yeah. So often it is like, hey so-and-so was hired as a director and then they leave for creative like even ant-man had that right with, with edgar wright and mm-hmm. so yeah to see that it just kind of go smoothly i mean it obviously like the the prehistory right. before derrickson signed on as a director like that was obviously a long time mm-hmm. told me this a little bit but like yeah once once he was on and the, it took them a little while to, to secure cover batch but For the most part, pretty smooth sailing. Yeah. The only other production note I have on here for me that I found that I thought was interesting that James Gunn actually gave a lot of feedback beyond, like, script notes and stuff to to Derrickson. So, So much so, I think, you know, Gunn had really done the only other MCU space movie. And not that this is really a space movie, but it takes... It takes place kind of outside the yeah. regular world for quite a bit of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite a bit, but <laughs> you know, a, a significant amount. Yes. And not only did, you know, Gunn part, you know, give his wisdom, but he also gave quite a bit of crew the DP of Oh, cool. Guardians. Yeah. Um, ben Davis is the cinematographer on this mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And there was a multitude of other crew members who Gunn had been like, yeah, I'm not getting them back for Guardians 2 because they're working on Doctor Strange. was <laughs> oh, kind of bummed. You know, on one hand, yeah. he's bummed about it, but on the other hand, he's excited that, yeah. you know, you know, the he gets to really help. Th- not that Derrickson was a, a, a young and upcoming director, right. but he had n- not done something on this scale, much like Gunn hadn't done something to the scale of Guardians, yeah. he was able to, you know, offer that uh, insight and kind of mentorship, I think. That yeah. That's pretty cool. And the, the, the excitement of collaboration is always cool to see between creative types. Very true. Yeah. The composer of this, mm-hmm. Michael Giacchino. <laughs> um. Always, oh, not, well, I can't say always a win. It's usually a win. It's pretty close. Usually a win. Yeah. He has a few misses, but for the most part, great choice. And, and for this, I think he was a great choice.
0: Yeah. I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't blown away by the score, but it works, and I think that's what scores, I mean, ultimately, that's kind of a, I don't mean to go off a tangent here, that's kind of a double-edged sword, like, scores should not detract from what you're watching on screen, like, but if you go by that logic, Star Wars should not have a good score, because there's always this sweeping orchestral stuff, Yeah, but... I, I don't think that that necessarily means that this is bad. Serviceable doesn't mean bad.
1: Yeah. I, I think for the most part, this the movie and the score know what it is in mm-hmm. this in this universe. Because yeah. again, it's not a standalone film that's just trying to do its own thing and be the most epic version of its own thing, right? It, this is trying to compete with Avengers Yeah. in terms of like, it's in that world. And so it, it can't sound so epic to be Avengers. Right. But it should still have strong themes about musical themes, you know, about identity and figuring out who this is at the end of the day, an origin story Mm -hmm. to some degree. So, yeah, I I think Mm. serviceable is a great word for it. Yeah. It's good, maybe not great, but ultimately, It 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 does what it needs to do and it doesn't detract from it.
0: And guess what? That got him his paycheck. And we love that. That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, not a movie filled with, you know, a bunch of licensed music. Mm-hmm. There, there's a couple near the beginning. It, it works diegetically in the film. Yeah. But it, it's not like a James Gunn film where right. it's like every. The soundtrack 10 minutes, is a driving here force. Is, yeah. Here yeah. is the song. And it's these licensed songs, the songs that you know from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, whatever. Like. They they do. They drive the movie. Yeah. The the music definitely takes a back seat in this one, and I think that's okay.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I have some new additions in terms of characters for you. Yep. We have Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Stephen Strange. Also just Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> we have Mr. Doctor. Mr. Yes. <laughs> ah. Great I have joke. A note in here. That's a great joke. <laughs> it's a great joke. <laughs> Chiwetel Iofor as Carl Mordo. Thank you for pronouncing that so I didn't have to. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, Rachel McAdams as Dr. Christine Palmer. Mm-hmm. Benedict Wong as Wong. As Wong. <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen, the Mads Mikkelsen as Kecilius. Mm-hmm. Also, the Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One. And those are the big ones. So mm-hmm. other names, though, we have... Michael Stuhlbarg as Dr. Nicodemus West, who is the other doctor that Strange kind of com- not competes against, but yeah, a he's colleague.
1: Kinda, he's the anti- He's kind of the antagonist of the, the first act, right? He's the co- competition to right.
0: Strange. Right, yes. Benjamin Bratt as Jonathan Pangborn, who we see briefly. And then everybody else I have on here is listed as zealots and some other comic accurate names that they're listed as a
1: refreshingly small cast yes after you know avengers and civil war and it's like oh we're kind of getting back to the basics <laughs> yeah yeah i don't have to remember where everyone came from <laughs> and some pretty heavy hitters too in terms of mads and tilda and even benedict yeah rachel mcadams big name yeah yeah so like it's it's a it's a small but loaded cast for sure
0: yeah small but loaded yep yeah. I like that. Well, man, you want to take us take us away?
1: Tell sure. Us about, uh, tell us about this strange new world we've been <sighs> lost into. Oh, that was a great segue, <laughs> Trevor. I'm so impressed right now. Thank you. Look, this is this is one it's, of those movies. It's because I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those movies that every time I watch it or rewatch it, this is not the first time I've rewatched it since it came out. Mm-hmm. I love talking about it, but I hate making bullet points about like there's there's movies like civil war where it's like i feel like i have to outline every scene because so much is happening i need to try and keep track of it and
0: i have seven bullet points for this whole thing <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i know exactly how you feel <laughs> and, and so like for me it was kind of refreshing to be like i'm just gonna like write down the things i notice mm-hmm. so, so like the first thing is you know this this opens really with Mads Mikkelsen Mm -hmm. and kind of like a little heist and like within three minutes we're we're getting like a mirror dimension fight. Yeah. Which is incredible.
0: (laughs) I can't believe it. I'm just like, we're jumping right into this thing.
1: And then we get 30 minutes of kind of like the traditional stuff. But I love how fast they get you into this. The magic looks great. The sound design of the magic I think is fantastic.
0: All the sparks. and
1: There's a beheading (laughs) They cut off a guy's head. Right away. Right away. <laughs> I'm in. This is the new dark MCU, baby. But yeah, kind of like the first act is... is you, They have this little introduction, and then it's a pretty standard, like, let's just get to know who Steven is. Yeah. He's Tony Stark, right? <laughs> yeah. With, without, with, without the advanced weaponry. Right, yeah.
0: Um, what the, the, co- the goatee bros. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: the goatee bros. But yeah, I... I really like my introduction is for the first act is like three points and then we like we're talking about multi we, we get to commentage and we're talking about multiverse stuff mm-hmm. and it's like the the universe the MCU universe expands so quickly in this and I just think it's a fascinating jump off of Civil War which was it was it political was political bi- and, and it was big and it was big and trying to be big and this one is like it's intimate but it's also it's, it's also big in the sense of, like, it's revealing all this new information to us about the world. Mm-hmm. You know, Civil War was big in the sense of, here's these characters and where they stand. It's complex in that kind of way. And in this movie, this, the movie number two of phase three, we're just, like, kicking down the door of, like... There are an infinite number of universes, and we we know we don't really get to explore that much in yeah. this movie. But, but
0: we get two. But we get which two. is. Or- I mean three including ours, but that's more than
1: there were before. (laughs) That's true. And I really love back to kind of the magic point, like I love the explanation for magic in this, where it's not just like it's not some metaphysical like Right. You have to you there are spells, but it's it's about pulling elements from other dimensions and Mm -hmm. manipulating them in a way that creates magic in our world. Right. I think that was fascinating. Yeah. So that's kind of my that's kind of my as we get into the movie, I'm curious what your kind of first act thoughts are of Doctor Strange. Okay. <laughs> he has a face that makes it seem like I'm going to be very disappointed don't, in what he's about no, to say. No, no, no.
0: Don't, don't, don't be disappointed. <laughs> I, no, I, this, my overall, I feel like I have to be negative now because that was so much positivity. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I feel like this movie moves, at. It's a fast. It's almost breakneck pace. But it's not. It's like just on the cusp mm-hmm. of like and it's like the acts are set up so expertly that it's like boom 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 you got it. Yeah. I will say there's a lot of clunky dialogue in the beginning I think. And it's not I don't think it's the di- I don't think it's the writing. I don't think it's the script. I think it's like there are times when somebody will be like and that means and then somebody will be like that the end of the world is upon us yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, that's not how Cutoff's up. But there's just so many of them. I'm like, hmm, okay. We're I, like. Yeah. You're... Yeah.
1: And on that line of dialogue or on that. I Along those yeah. same lines with dialogue, I think there's some performance pieces specifically between Cumberbatch and McAdams. They don't have the greatest chemistry, right? And
0: maybe that's what it will narrow down to. If I, I yeah, about and so you.
1: I don't know. Like, it could be it could be the writing. It could be just them not you know jiving mm-hmm. real well with each other. Rachel McAdams at the end of the day is a very small part of this. Yeah, and so I kind of can forgive it pretty easy. She's even in the one she, scene where she's really really important mm-hmm. um, during the second act. Um, you know she's she's just kind of there, almost as like the comedic, like she's experience experiencing that fight in a yeah. way that's comedic to the audience, right? Not that she's the butt of the joke, but like, oh, things are happening around and you know, think. Sorry, I'm doing visual cues You're for a, for a podcast. <laughs> in any case, I can understand and even defend the point that you're making that, the, that some of the dialogue is pretty sure. clunky and
0: but other than that no i think I, the introduction is strange is quick but it's efficient mm-hmm. it, it and i think that i was as we watched it you know he, he's doing the little music test i remember thinking what does that have to do like is that going to come back at all but then i remember that as i watched it he talks about having a photographic memory how he's able to you know it's obvious they're trying to get it across to us he studies and like he's he's a hard worker and he wants to know everything about what he's doing.
1: He's yeah, especially in the first act and even a bit in the second, but the, the second is breaking this down, it's he's the smartest man in the room and he knows it. Yeah. He's and he he has no problem calling you out that you're not. Right? right? Like he'll call you a dumbass to your face. Yeah. And <laughs> and at the same time like save the day and the, the whole second act is about like that that way of study is important, but it's about how you use that knowledge. It's about humility. It's about the humility. It's yeah. not, oh, it's so good. <laughs> we'll get to it, but there's a line in, in that um, the Ancient One says to Strange mm-hmm. at kind of the end of her time in this movie, that's just really good, and it's the, it hits the nail on the head. So, good. Yeah. Yeah, so like thematically, it's this, like, it's not about you. Is right. the line? Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's at the end of her life. It's a it's a life that she's seen mm-hmm. because of her relationship with time. She knows that this is the end of her life. She's never seen past this point, mm-hmm. and she's there talking to Stephen about power and the responsibility. It's it's a little bit like Spider Man, like yeah. with great power comes great responsibility. That responsibility is understanding that it's not about you, and that's the thing Stephen has had to overcome. Maybe that dialogue is a little heavy handed. But I think it works in the moment because he's the kind of guy that you just have to shoot straight with. Yeah. You can't beat around the bush with Stephen. He's he's smart, but he doesn't always get it because he's been so egotistical, and it's always been about him yeah. and his success, um, and his ability. And it and and and, and the ancient one Tillis Wenton, telling him that's all it is. It's not. It's if you're using it for others. If you're using your power to to protect, to serve to empower others then you're doing it right. right and that's why you know in her mind she was able to justify you know the use of the dark dimension yeah where you know in, in any other case it was completely abhorred right like it mm-hmm. was it was you can't do it and she did it um and she justified that with the, the the whole thing being like well it wasn't about me it wasn't a, it was not about me continue you know living eternally it was about me surviving to this point so that I can show you the way, right? Forward, yeah. So, what was your what was your thought? Your next uh,
0: thought? I, I I like her talk about healing. She and I'm honestly having a little bit of trouble remembering what exactly she says. But
1: this would be in commentage. yeah, like kind of in that introduction. Right. To what is this? place and you've come looking for like physical healing
0: oh yeah it must have been right before that because then the next thing happens but they have a conversation about healing and i really enjoy just their interactions with each other Bandit cumberbatch's like helplessness of like i bought a one-way ticket here just the the acting in it is great and the line delivery is great and the whole that whole sequence and how it integrates i'll just jump into that as well how it integrates this conversation about We, this is what we do here. You came to do this thing. We're not exactly about that, but like, we'll show you a little bit about what we're about. Yeah. And then they did the dimensional jump and that dimensional jump is incredible. Yeah. Even in in comic books and in even movies nowadays, dimension jumping and multiverse stuff. I think a lot of how well that's presented lends good credit to the film itself sure if you have a so imagine if that scene was bad yeah you know it'd be it, like that's what the whole thing is about is and there's even a mo- emotion, a moment in there where he's in this tunnel and these hands start grabbing him and then he looks at his hand and his all he wants to do is heal his hand and his hand starts growing more hands how many times can I say hand
1: in the same sentence? Hand. It's like there's a theme
0: there. Right. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. And then you hear Modor's voice saying his blood pressure getting extremely high. And then he's and then all of a sudden he's back in the chair and yeah. his face going, he looks alright to me. And then he goes again. Yeah. And like that's how you do it, man. You you make it these weird the, the shapes turn into a face, and it's his face. Then he falls into the eye, and the eye's really a cliff, and then the cliff goes like. You really need somebody that has, like, Grant Morrison. Do you know anything about him? Yeah. 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 He, yeah. <laughs> so, I and actually, this conversation is leading me back. Now I remember. They talk about healing. He, It's when he picks up the book and he says... This is the chakra, and this is the acupuncture, and this is the whatever, and he's like, this is like garbage medicine. This isn't. This isn't what I know. This is what I know to work. Mm-hmm. And I like the, the thing she says about everyone that's written those maps has seen part, but not the whole. Yeah. And how I think that's a real, I think that's a real thing, man. I think people, especially, I'm going to get real wonky now. I'm going to get wonky on you. All right. I, like. We're so, in America, attuned to, like, what we see is what works. What we see is what we believe. Mm -hmm. There are so many accounts of people in Africa, people in in Europe, people in countries way older than ours, in houses that were built before our country was founded. Mm -hmm. People that have been there and experienced those things and experienced, you know, moments of healing or moments of clarity and we blow And here in America we blow it off because that's the stuff of movies that's the stuff of of books and Mm -hmm. stories but to them it's real and I I I like that's addressed take for it what you will you know but I like that there's at least a conversation in there about yeah these things exist because guess what in this at least in the movie universe because guess what they're real (laughs) you know
1: yeah That is something that's deeply personal to Derrickson as well. Oh, really? He's a very spiritual person. Good. And, you know, doesn't necessarily want to be preachy with his movies on on what he believes. Mm -hmm. But he, you know, he feels like what we're presented here kind of in our physical form is just one part of what is the whole. Yeah. And so, like, that line very much lines up with, you know, his personal beliefs of... Couldn't tell you exactly if it's, like, sure. religious or not. Yeah, but, it's, yeah. but certainly spiritual in, yeah. the, in the terms of, you know, how this movie addresses it in that there is something more and your knowledge of the physical world is great. Let's take that one step deeper. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go beyond what you just see and what you feel, um, what you know to be true and, like, ex- experience, you know, what's more that's a that's a bad way of saying it but you know I have a, as a bullet point here you know this is this is really a movie I think about a man of science trying to reconcile what is faith and what what, mm-hmm. what can I put my faith in a cape a cape apparently yeah dude freaking I also have down here cloak of levitation for the win yeah um it's great yeah I think there's so many deep things deeper themes in this that this movie can explore because again, it's fairly simple. It's about a small it's it's about one person and then their kind of surrounding mm-hmm. influences and I love it.
0: As opposed to like a Dark Knight trilogy where a you know, criticism of that is not really criticism, but a, a, a critique, I guess, of that is the Dark Knight trilogy isn't so much about Batman as much as it is about his villains. Yeah. This is the opposite. This is, a, this is a Doctor Strange story where it's Stephen Strange in a world of things happening to him. Yeah. Not necessarily things happening around him. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. He he has his personal demons. He has the, the supernatural situations he gets thrust into. And, mm-hmm. and his arc is about deciding, you know, what does it mean to have power Mm -hmm. the power to do something man it feels very spider-man-esque right like you if you have the power to do something should you? i guess that makes
0: sense with steve
1: ditko being co-creator of both those
0: characters (laughs) right right
1: that's a very common superhero thing sure but i think it feels deeper here because there is this like a where he starts out at being you know such a arrogant selfish asshole yeah you know to where they go at the end where he's literally willing to sacrifice himself for eternity yeah. to save earth. Yeah. It's a big, it's the a big ultimate jump in, act of selflessness. And, that's, and that's, somehow I believe it, right? Like yeah. they convinced me in an hour and a half that that was, <laughs> that was his growth. Yeah. So. And
0: that's what this, it's the the pace mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. It's like, and like you said, the, the third act is 30 minutes. Yeah. And that's wild that we <laughs> get that much. Speaking of the third act, actually, before we get to that, my biggest caveat, I think, with this movie, mm-hmm. of, of the two, you know, I mentioned kind of the pacing and the clunkiness, but my biggest thing, like, that I remembered, I, I'm i not, they don't totally ever sell me on the timey-wimey space stuff. Sure. like there, you know, when he first discovers the Eye of Agamotto, and he's taken a couple bites out of the apple, and then he sets it down, and then the and then he he makes it go back and forth, you know, he and it's full and then it has and it even gives like crunch like mm-hmm. crisp sounds yeah, when he yeah, bites yeah. it. Like he's bitten it and then it ultimately rots, you know, he comes back and it kinda comes back bite by bite. So did like the apple know that he was gonna eat it and then leave the core? It, it, was it just like what about the bites that he did eat do those evaporate out of his stomach and then are back on the apple and then he the same thing with the page he puts the pages back Mm -hmm. do those other pages still exist right where are they if they are are they do they get pulled from that time and put back into this time or they just recreate so and that's just obviously me thinking about it too much because it serves its purpose how dare you think about it this much (laughs) i know but it serves its purpose in terms of this is what we're showing you. This is what the Eye of Agamotto can do. Yeah. And these are two really easy ways. One, to move the plot forward. One, to show you what it is. And I, it's fine. Yeah. That's just my one big thing.
1: Yeah, I think they they gloss over it in a way. They kind of expect you like, yeah... Remember, he's really, really smart, and he's really <laughs> good at what he does, and he's just kind of a natural learner. You know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe he's a, 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 what's the male version of a Mary Sue? I don't know. Oh. But, you know, mm-hmm. like, it just comes naturally to him. Right. But we need to show you what is happening, because th- the final, you know, act of this movie is about rebuilding Hong Kong versus, yeah. you know. So we, we need to show that in action. I think they do a good job. Later on, like in Infinity War, um, I know I'm jumping ahead there, but like yeah, yeah. they do something similar with uh, with a character who's who's killed, mm-hmm. and like Thanos is like, nope, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Gary
0: um, Stew is the male version of oh, the yeah, Sim, Gary Stu. Gary Stu, very nice.
1: Kind of here in the second act, my big bullet points are, you know, Mads Mikkelsen is always a win. Yes, you know, we we kind of get past the training montage. There's the like Stephen Strange is like searching he's doing the eye stuff and then yeah. all of a sudden we were introduced to well not we're reintroduced to mads who's just kind yeah. of been gone they meet. for a while yeah yeah and they have a really cool fight in the new york sanctum mm-hmm. i think the visual effects especially when they like they kind of finish that fight in the middle of that there is the the hospital fight which mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier yep. which is freakishly awesome it's so good so good and then we get a mirror dimension fight again this is that breakneck <laughs> pace it's yeah. like we have two minutes to like catch our breath and then it's like they're back yeah right <laughs> <laughs> doing things again yep but then we get a really really cool fight in the mirror dimension <laughs> uh, that so there's a couple lines in here where that it's like the actors
0: reminding the audience what's happening yeah and I, that's one of the ones i think is funny is when mads Mikkelsen's character mm-hmm. they have the bomb they're about to blow it and then steven strange puts it the mirror dimension around it mm-hmm. and then he walks he goes mirror dimension <laughs> nothing you do can hurt the real world here and i'm like yeah he knows man <laughs> what do you think he's been doing
1: <laughs> so true right so true and then like there and then like the next line is is Mordo, who is like I, and this doesn't make any sense to me you talk about like nick picking like this the, the metaphysics of yeah, yeah. Like, time mm-hmm. thing it's like they're actually more powerful in the mirror dimension. <laughs> yeah. You, this this wasn't a good idea. This was suicide. Yeah, right. It's was like was that necessary? I don't I don't know. Yeah, Maybe that's that, a real thing. Like, <laughs> it must be a thing from the comics, but like that's like a kid. It, just, it seemed like an unnecessary raising of stakes.
0: That's like a kid putting his finger in the electrical socket in the socket <laughs> electrical socket and getting shocked. And then you walk up, and you go, "You stupid idiot! That was going to hurt you. Of course it would. How could it not?" <laughs>
1: Oh, so true. (laughs) So true. But then we do get...
0: That's when we get the big reveal. Ancient One is... It is cool when she shows up, how she pushes everybody out of the way and brings them all center, Mm -hmm. and then she falls 60 feet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So... And, and yeah, just boom, smack yeah. on the concrete. <laughs> right. Just like... Oh, oh, no, the glass breaks her fall. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, you're you're right. The glass softened it just enough to not kill her immediately. Right, right. <laughs> um, but then we do get a little astroplane conversation between mm. her and Strange, and I think that's maybe one of my favorite parts of this film. Really? Is, is them just talking, because it's 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 the one where we're talking about like it's not about you know mm-hmm. it's not about you And it's, that's a very beautiful shot the the
0: she says look at me now even stretching out a single moment yeah. to a hundred and you see the lightning slowly yeah. bolt across the sky it's mm-hmm. very it's very it's a, it's just it's a beautiful moment yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. a very uh, mysterious mentor teacher Yodo Luke kind mm-hmm. of situation and,
1: and I also like I'm gonna I, I did have a, a bullet point. Oh, before, yeah. but it's kind of related because at some point Stephen and the ancient one and Mordo are there and Stephen accuses her of using the yeah. dark dimension and he like cannot wrap his mind around yeah. that and he defends her I think he, and it yeah. does and then it's revealed and it's kind of starts this it's it's on one hand it's a it's a domino effect with Stephen that really Pushes him to ultimate good, but at the same time, it's a domino effect that pushes Mordo to ultimate evil, mm-hmm. or at least ultimate mediocrity. mediocrity. For
0: the <laughs> remainder of the MCU so far, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, thus far, thus far.
1: Yeah, but uh, but there's a there's a line where the Ancient One, you know, is trying to convince Stephen that he can do this, yeah. but he but he can't do it alone. Like again, part of this is about trusting in others, mm-hmm. and he has to like Mordo's. Unwavering rigidity. There you go. You got it. Yeah. Plus, Stevens' almost recklessness, or 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 leader. You know, I don't remember what the word that she used was, but mm-hmm. it was a way to reinforce that you know Mordo's not wrong, right? In a sense, right? Like his worldview, his his whole belief system just came crashing down mm-hmm. because he feels like he's been lied to. Yeah. In a similar way, I think Mads' character is is validated throughout the film like none of the characters present a worldview that's ultimately undefendable sure you know maybe we could you could say depending on what you view as morally right or wrong Mm -hmm. you could put them in a box but they all make sense to themselves yeah in a way that you know maybe even more so than like like thanos's thing later in infinity war Like, yeah, like, I guess, but like, I don't know. I think, I think both Caecilius and Mordo are both, they're, they're individuals who are, are, um, have been raised with a certain belief. Mm -hmm. Their belief has been challenged and they are at different points in this movie. Caecilius beforehand and, and Mordo during are kind of in that process of what we would these days called deconstructing their faith.
0: Deconstructing the MCU?
1: They're deconstructing the MCU. (laughs) That's what we're doing, right? Right. (laughs) And and I love how they're not just bad guys who want to blow up the world. Mm -hmm. You know, one wants to kind of end suffering by just hitting the fast forward button to the inevitability of nothingness. Yeah. Right. We're all going to be one in the nothingness. Yeah. That's his belief. The other one, you know, has such a rigid sense of what is right and wrong in his belief system that when someone who he looked up to doesn't meet those same expectations anymore, like he felt, he feels betrayed by that. Yeah. He then has to wrestle with, well, what do, what do I, I put my faith in this person who ultimately betrayed me in my mind Yeah, and he helps save the day, but then ultimately walks away. And then on the flip side, you have Dr. Strange who starts out from this place of skepticism yeah. and becomes the true believer. Yeah. Yeah. I just I love how well those are intertwined, despite the fact that like Cassius is really only around for like ten minutes of the movie. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's not a he's not an overly complex villain. Yeah. But I but I still think they do a decent job with what he's given.
0: Yeah. And you know usually I this is so small potatoes to what you just said. Sorry, but you know we you mentioned the, the joke earlier. The Mister Doctor Mister Doctor mm, yeah, yeah, is yeah. strange. And then he says maybe. Who am I to judge? And that's a joke. We mm-hmm. we as the audience, we understand that's a joke. What I really like about it though is I not necessarily civil war, well, kind of civil war even with with Zemo, but most of the other MCU movies we've had, it's like here's the bad guy, and guess what? He's the bad guy. Yeah. And any time that he makes jokes, it's because he's a funny bad guy. Right. This is like when he, the way he says that he's like. Hey man, I <laughs> tore a book out of a, pe- a page out of a book and I, I'm slowly turning me and my compatriots into, uh, undead monsters. Yeah. So <laughs> who am I to judge, man? right? Like, and so I know that line's a joke, but that feels so like, like you said about all of that, about how they're just humans trying to find their way in the world. And in this new reality of, of what does it mean to have this power? What does it mean to be a sorcerer? Mm-hmm. And what do you do with that? Yeah. And they're all just people yep. just doing people stuff. Yeah. You know?
1: So. yeah the one we you, you kind of mentioned him as an actor it's uh he's an actor he doesn't come back in the movie he's the one who has the broken back oh peng
0: Pengborn. Pengborn. yeah
1: you know he even has a slightly he's another person mm-hmm. who has been you know kind of blessed with the inside of this power yeah who chooses a yet a, even a different, different path yeah. from he all walks of them. away uh-huh. he uh-huh. walks away but he he still is <laughs> he
0: walks away and he actually he, walks <laughs> sorry how's that it's a bad joke. <laughs> the paralyzed man walks away. <laughs>
1: but yeah, like again, it's not the movie never dismisses his worldview, his decision to live that life yeah. as the wrong decision. Right. Just as it's a uh, decision. Yeah. It's it's just a it's a way of living, and it's not about being right or wrong. Yeah. I just think that's fascinating.
0: It is. It's yeah. Can we jump to the third, third act? Third act, let's do it. Yeah, man. I so the only thing I really have for the third act. Well, I guess I have a couple things, but I love the the where to wait trope yes i I, the only other movie i can think of off the top of my head is is mulan where they show they're supposed to go provide reinforcements and they show up and the battle's over Mm -hmm. and then that happens in this one they show up and it's it's kaecilian and the zealots walking out of the sanctum and it's it's blown up and hong kong's on fire and i i i don't know man i'm i when it can be done well I really, really like it, and I think this movie handles handles it expertly in a way of like of not being like, oh, guess what? There's there's a time thing. You can do a time thing. It's just like it only happened really the once we see it happen, and then it's like, oh yeah, he can do that, and so I think it's handled really expertly in the way to do that, and even more so later with the loop. Yeah, but
1: yeah, yeah. same. My my bullet point Hong Kong. The fight is already ever. I love it. Instead of tearing apart a city as your final act. Rebuild you're, it. You're rebuilding. You're yeah. repairing it. You're
0: burying people in aquariums <laughs> and tanks and stuff. And it's so
1: well shot. It, just it is. looks. Oh, you know, and it's not just the, like a big pushback and like things are moving. You have right. like characters moving through and how the forward characters are interacting with the 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 back moving things and it's oh it looks so good
0: when they pull out of it and it's the mirror effect and Mm -hmm. their bodies kind of do a weird little little shiver thing yeah yeah Yeah. very very good choices in terms of how to interact in that space Mm -hmm. and time
1: and time my final thought for the third act is yeah they have a a little up until this point they've done a little fighting right Mm -hmm. but at it's this conflict is not solved by punching the other guy harder. Yeah. It's a clever use of the time stone. It's Steven going to the enemy and basically saying... Wait, wait, the time stone. <clears throat> I mean, the Eye of Agamotto. I'm nuts.
0: I was just thinking <laughs> that line where I... That's another another thing about Steven learning humility. Is, and him and when he's like, hey, you no, know, I could probably... This is pretty handy. I could probably just hang on to this, right? And Wong's like, you, you can't just go walk the streets with an infinity stone. And Steven's <laughs> like, an infinity stone! <laughs> what's that? <laughs> and then Wong's response of, you still got a lot, you may be the sorcerer, like a good, you all lot to learn. And so like, that's,
1: yeah, that's the way
0: to do it. Yeah.
1: Agreed. <laughs> agreed. But yeah, the the final conflict between Dormamo and, Dorm- Dormammu and and That's Steven great. I said Modor earlier, so is, you're fine. It's <laughs> great that I've come to Bargain Line the how that sh- scene is edited mm-hmm. I think it's 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 so unique in the MCU not that like being the sacrificial lamb is is a new concept yeah. but it's done in a in a new way with an even greater threat than like kind of has ever been done in the mcu to date yeah you know i think it's really powerful and, and to get you by de- the defeating of the enemy is not killing or destroying the enemy it's literally just like please go away yeah right <laughs> hey you want these guys and want to not live in
0: this existence for <laughs> eternity yeah i so before before we recorded I, I had heard once before that there was a time frame for how long steven was in Dormammu's was doing the bargain mm-hmm. so I, lo- I punched into google how long is strange bargaining and which had then pulled me up the runtime for the movie Strange Bargain. So that was a fun little <laughs> that was a fun little adventure we had before this. So people on Reddit, and it was kind of implied, I think, through the use of comic books and stuff that the creators have said, it's implied that he's there for just over ten thousand years, or at least ten thousand years. However, I love the idea that whatever we saw happening was just real time, and Dormammu yeah. could only handle like. Two and a half minutes of this, <laughs> yeah. and he was like, "Stop! Get out! Just look! Like, I hate this."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the it seems so simple now, but like I imagine coming up with this, whether it was in the comics or whether it was for the movie, mm-hmm. the, the the use of time to defeat an eternal being is so freaking brilliant. Yeah. I, it, like, it's not something I really thought about, but I'm just like, even, even, you know, ever. But, ow, oh, what an Achilles heel. Yeah, Because, right? like you said, what, you know, like, how long would an eternal being put up with something like that? Yeah, right. They've never had to deal with anything like that before, and all of a sudden it's like, shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, t- I this- don't know how to react <laughs> so like, two and a half minutes later, like, can, I fold. Can I leave? Or, like, do I just have to stand here? <laughs> Oh, so uh. that's that's great. And then oh, uh, obviously we have Mordo goes his separate ways. He parts. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: he decides that they should have let it happen. They
1: repelled the laws of nature by reversing it. I think it. I think this movie does a really good job of setting ha- him up as a good potential future villain. I think so too. And if we'll ever see that, will be interesting.
0: Yeah, we do see him again in multiverse. We see him but... again in
1: multiverse, but it's a, it's a very. Yeah. I mean, it's a different. <sighs> Not to get into multiverse too much, but it like right. it's a different version of it him. It is, yeah, and and it doesn't carry the same weight at all right. in my in my mind. So I'm a little disappointed that. Um, how did you feel the movie kind of wrapped up? I think it wraps up really nicely. This is
0: this man that I think part of the reason this is I had so little to write down at least about this. This is just a super so- I it is a comic book movie, but this is just a super solid origin story comic book movie. Yeah. It's it's here's the threat, we wrap it up, some potential, maybe future things, but overall, we saved the day. We got Wong to laugh with a joke that I didn't understand. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: That was, no, man, it was, it's overall, I, I think it wraps up really well. Agreed. Overall, very solid. It has two post-credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Which we watched together. That we was did nice. because both of us had turned off the, we, <laughs> the turned before. Before we forgot yeah, to watch Prince. them before we started, before you got over here to record. So yeah. the first one a little tease for thor ragnarok it's kind of setting up that's and i a, think
0: that scene is in ragnarok or something similar
1: to something it. very
0: similar yeah yeah so they're, they're setting up they're talking about they need to go find loki and yeah. it's kind of shaping up to maybe be a thor and dr strange team up movie
1: which is not what we got but they they at least shot their shot yeah yeah no it's feels good for this film yeah it doesn't feel good going forward because it's not really connected to what the actual story of Ragnarok is. That's right. the, that's the 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 chance you take, the bet you make when you shoot this ahead of time. Yeah, and the things change in production. That's just how it goes. So yeah. I, th- I think it, I think it was fine. Definitely not necessary for this story. It didn't add anything to the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, it was more just a tease for Ragnarok. The second one was, of course, Mordo hunting down i forgot his name again pengborn pengborn yeah pengborn uh, because all sorcerers must die now apparently. yeah yeah except for me <laughs> except for him. yeah he's the righteous one that's right he knows <laughs> yes he's the Indobio. you know there's there's probably a like an allegory there between like false prophets or something like that uh, that he's we influenced believe it by. I don't know. so yeah again another fine scene and, and then and then that goes into the idea of him actually being a Major villain in a future Doctor Strange movie, mm-hmm. which we just we haven't gotten yet. Maybe, yeah. There's there's potential in the future. There is. So, and then the last kind of I guess setup is the actual we can't mention it the introduction of the time stone for Infinity oh, War. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Um,
0: I don't think it makes another cut. Oh, because he gives it up in Infinity War. That's mm-hmm. that's yeah. So it, it doesn't make another comeback, I and mean, we we won't see this particular stone again until that time.
1: No. Yeah. No, we don't. He's wearing the eye in mm-hmm. Ragnarok for the moment we see for the couple minutes of screen time he has, but yeah. I think he's at least wearing it. But yeah. he, uh, yeah, doesn't doesn't really use it and doesn't come back into play for a while. That's okay. Later on in Phase Three, so yeah, I have box office numbers
0: for you Hit because we them. forgot to do, or well, I forgot to do. Them. I'm not gonna put that blame on you. It was my fault. <laughs> this made half as much as Civil War did. Civil War came in at 408 million. And Doctor Strange came in at 229, almost 230. And it uh, came in at number dom- 11. Domestically, I assume. Domestically. Yeah. yeah. I'm
1: curious what the. Yeah, uh, global, world worldwide box office was 676 million. Good. So it it, it it almost doubled its domestic box office overseas.
0: And the budget, I meant to say this earlier, was 200 million. So that's nice. Good for them. Making some money back, you know? Doing their thing, making the money. Paying the actors.
1: Make that cheddar.
0: I have not heard Money referred to as cheddar in a long time.
1: But you have heard of it before. I have. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, Nervous there.
0: I I hear bread more often than I hear cheddar.
1: Bread is kind of the new thing. That's for sure. Where does this kind of sit for you in the kind of 2016 filmography? 2016
0: filmography. filmography. Well, Brett, I'll tell you. I think this is up there just uh, as this got pulled up all of a sudden. uh, Let's see this. I like this as much as Rogue One and Rogue One's up there. Probably not as much as Hacksaw Ridge. Definitely not as much as Moonlight or Arrival, but it's close. Yeah. If I did pick like a top 10, I think it would be
1: six. Of movies I saw in twenty sixteen. I love this. I'm getting we're getting to the point where I actually have like documented my Your years. My years. Wow Finally. Well we're, maybe we're catching up. So I'll be able to tell you exactly <laughs> where I put it as I pull up my annual rankings. Google Docs sheet.
0: Because you know, man, Angry Birds came out this year and nothing's gonna beat it. I'm fair just gonna enough, fair it, enough. it was fun. And uh <laughs> for
1: me on my list when I made this in 2016, it ended up at number seven. Wow. Rock and roll. Movies I had above it, Arrival, Rogue One, Hacksaw Ridge, The Nice Guys. Nice. Good. Uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, okay. And Split. Good. Good. Then it was yes. Doctor Strange. So Cool. Yeah. Very much enjoyed it. Where does it fall in your MCU rankings? This
0: one I do have ready for you. This is number five. So mine goes, like the, the few before and after mm-hmm. it. I yeah. have Iron Man at three. Winter Soldier at four, Doctor Strange at five, Thor at six, and Ant Man at seven.
1: Nice, nice. This is my number three right now. Wow! Yeah, cool. This this goes under the Avengers. So it's Winter Soldier, Avengers, Doctor Strange, and then Age of Ultron and Civil War. It's nice. kind of my top five right now. So, Sweet. Yeah, it, it snuck in there. I knew it was. I knew it was better for me personally. <clears throat> I knew yep. it was better than Civil War. Yeah. So then it was like, is it? I don't think it's better than the Avengers. It's it's better in certain ways, sure. but the Avengers. It's uh, we've talked we've talked about it. I don't need, I don't need. I don't <laughs> need to talk about it. But but it was like, where does it fall? How does it compare to Ultron? And I I just I just put it just above Ultron. Nice. So. Yeah,
0: I like that we're getting we're now getting to a point where it's like I put it here, and let me tell you why. But you know what? Just go back and listen. We've yeah. done this before. Yeah, we've exactly. talked about it. <laughs>
1: Well, and I, and I love that we're to the point now, you know, 14 movies in. Yeah. It's going to be hard for us to place it in the same, you know, oh it's, un- sure. it's very unlikely that they end up being in the same place, you know, for the same reasons. I
0: think the last one that happened with that was Ant-Man. I think we we both ended in up the middle, put- right? Yeah, and we but we both ended up putting it right above uh First Avenger. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, that was kind of fun. Yeah, it and and yeah, it'll be exciting to watch these lists grow. And if people interact on our Twitter, watch people get upset at where we
1: put stuff. Absolutely. Look, if you have a hot take on where we put these, please let us know. Yeah. I love that. I love that interaction. Yes. Tell me, tell me why I'm wrong <laughs> and where you would put it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Go, man. Well, next time
0: we have, what do we have next time? It is Guardians 2. And then after Guardians 2, Spider-Man Homecoming.
1: Okay. Was Ragnarok the, like, holiday yeah November. drop of
0: so bold move yep. marvel <laughs> guardians <laughs> 2 may guardians 2 may homecoming july it was july so it, was in, the, it was in the other like yeah. blockbuster season that makes yep. sense
1: that makes sense yep all right so next yeah so our next one we'll get to kind of recap 2017 in terms of year uh, you know mm-hmm. events we'll get a whole new list of movies to compare to we love that so look forward to our guardians two review yeah
0: yeah man Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time for Mr. Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Volume 2. <laughs> I'm still so upset they didn't get Sylvester the long play. Go. Will it be a hot take? Will it be... I don't know. Not? We'll see. <laughs> Can't be any more hot t- of a hot take than Flash is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. She was also in Crimes of the Future last year. The David Cronberg one, she was. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was.
0: She was the weirdo. <laughs> I'm into. I'm into mutilation,
1: chick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't a Kristen Stewart podcast. Are you sure? We could try to make it one, man. <laughs> I'm here for it. I remember what the last one <laughs> we did that
0: with. Oh, that was a uh, Paul Rudd. We almost turned to a yes. Paul Rudd cast. There yes. Too. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to pull it up on Pinterest where I get all my drinks from. I'm trying to mix mine up a bit. You did yours well. I'm not. Well, that's because I put my finger in it and (laughs) stirred it around a little bit. Ew. I know. Because I feel like, I mean, I feel like us as fans, we usually, I mean, fans have ideas for things. And I think sometimes, you know, we're on track with stuff. Even just recently, I think you and I were on a Twitter conversation about, because some, (laughs) you're not a moron, but this tweet was, (laughs) but this tweet was moronic, whoever you are. Some person (laughs) uh, made the tweet that said, Since we all agree that Dennis Villanueva was a bad choice for the Dune remake, (laughs) who would you agree? And, like, literally everybody was like, no one says that. Yeah, right. (laughs) But
1: anyway, so fans, you know. I shouldn't take off my glasses. I am blind. (laughs) I I get that. (laughs) Zack Snyder doesn't have on this that's not true I'll kill you <laughs> no, Zach's I know this man over here loves Zack Snyder I love Zack Snyder I'm he's, not I'm not a, a cultist cult. no but, you are it's oh my gosh <laughs> as uh, as Dr. Palmer Christine Palmer would say it sounds like you're in a cult <laughs> <laughs>
0: another great conversation man um fun fact a little uh, inside baseball for you uh those are called those are called drop the needle tests mm. when somebody plays a song and you have to guess what it is it's yeah, called yeah. a drop the needle
1: test yeah, because we have to take those in music school. I'm really bad at those kinds of things. So I was don't too, accuse, so don't ask, don't ask me don't about my music history me. scores. <laughs> <laughs> um, no man, but oh, right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, uh, sorry. I, I I thought you had more, <laughs> but uh, oh no no. Do you no. want
0: do you want to do that now or <laughs> doesn't matter?
1: Um, no, no. But I guess thematically I, we can. I keep have, talking about I, have
0: it. An, I have a I have an ancient okay. one thing too. Yeah. so go ahead. <laughs> um... Sorry, I feel like an idiot. And then you hear Modor, or, uh, yeah, Modor's vase, or vase.
1: Hey, you can edit this. It's I all know. good, you can edit this.
0: You hear his voice.
1: <laughs> Unrigidness, his, is can be an asset.
0: Do you mean his rigidness? His,
1: or his rigidness, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His, his unwavering rigidness. There you go, you got <laughs> it, yeah. With Mads and, or I say Matt. I just, cause I don't know his, I can't pronounce his, Kallisius? Uh, it's. Okay, Calcius? Caecilius.
0: All right, because there's some China in this. And if there's some China in a movie, you know who gets excited about that?
1: The Chinese? Yes. That makes sense.
0: <laughs> I don't know why that was so earnest.
1: <laughs> Where does this kind of sit for you in the kind of 2016
0: filmography? 2016 filmography. Well, Brett, I'll tell you. In... Only just a few moments here. It's coming.
1: The power of audio editing means that you could you could literally make it happen in the, the next moment.
0: And you know what? I did. Because <laughs> uh, I don't have it pulled up. Phase three.
1: Is it homecoming? I don't know. No, homecoming would be December. That would be in a December of 2017 movie. Okay. Right? (laughs) Guardians 2? I think it's Guardians 2.
0: Well, we're about to find out.